is better than that. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings, Zogi, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Welcome, Girlskies, to the Frugal Force. This is episode four, and tonight we're going to be talking about oxen, cytokines. But first, I'm going to go ahead and do introductions. Now it's just us two wise old Jedi right now. Hopefully, we'll be joined by uh, the Sith Lord himself, uh, Red Sire Bond, in a little bit. How you doing, Ice Martin? Doing good, man. Excited to learn today. This is something I. I had to actually do a little research on. I didn't know, I didn't know shit about it, <laughs> to be honest. So I had to at least know a little bit. So I had to do some research. So this was a fun one. I actually had to, you know, I already gained knowledge on it. So it's already a win for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I understood what both of them were like, but I didn't understand they, how important they were on a daily basis. So I really had to that and put together some notes for this. And I, yeah, I hope it, it changes all your minds out there too. Like you'll think about it on a daily basis. This is, it happens. It's happening nonstop in your world right now. But uh, as you guys can see, updates for me, I'm in a new studio here. Got my Sith Polycon out, all the good, uh, the forces with me here. Check out Leia, she's got a new job now. Uh, working at HTG, that's how we can afford the place. And, Hopefully, uh, she's scoring you a discount, man. Right. I mean, she definitely looks like she belongs in a booth, that's for sure. Oh, she, she's definitely making it to every booth now. <laughs> We're bringing her to the toilet. Uh, she wouldn't fit at such for a cause, but uh, I can fit her at the, the grow off celebration. She'll definitely be there. There you go, man. There you go. There's your booth, babe. Yeah, we were just telling a funny story about her, too. Uh, before we went live, I had her sitting out in the throw room in the corner. There's a, there's a little extra space out there right now. And uh, my kid was scared to come out of his room and go out the throw room to the kitchen because she was sitting in like the, the corner and like a you know, shadowy looking figure. You know, we all know how judging her eyes are, but I thought that was great. So now whenever he needs to get uh, grounded to his room or whatever, we just put Leia right there at the doorway. Not to worry about him running out. Scarred for years to come. He'll, he'll be scarred when he's a kid, then he'll love her when he's a teenager. <laughs> but, uh, Let's let's dive into 
some uh, some science here, and let's start with oxygens. Oxygens are plant hormones produced in the stem tip that produce cell elongation. Oxygens move to the darker side of the plant, causing the cells to grow larger than they do. I mean, it's the reason why uh, your plant stretches to the light, basically. I mean, it's not just saying, hey, oh, the light's over there. It's because one side of the plant is getting weaker and the other side, because it's in the shade, the oxygens are pumping to get longer, so it causes to stretch that way. Oxygens are a powerful growth hormone produced naturally by plants. They are found in shoot and root tips and produce promote cell division, stem, and root growth. They can also drastically affect plant orientation by promoting cell division to one side of the plant in response to sunlight. It, that's what we were just talking about. And on the other hand, in the root zone, that instead of uh, the sunlight, it's promoted by gravity. So, and also, oxygens are a powerful growth hormone. Like we were saying, it's the reason why plants shoot upward. And it's naturally, it's naturally produced by plants. They are found in the shooting root tips, like we were saying. And it's like... Say you have, uh, you guys know when you do a seed run, you have your apical marrow stem. I always tear, I always tear that one up. But your main cola, your main stem, that's where all your oxygens are going. And uh, when you chop that off, you spread the oxygens, and that's why you end up with multiple tops. I think it's, I think it's more like the, at the top of each unless I understand it wrong, but I think at the top of each top, of, so if you follow each branch to the very tip top, at that tip is produced the oxen. So if you remove the apical meristem, if you remove the tallest one, it no longer has any oxen from where you cut it because that tip, the new tip that you created when you made that cut, will have no oxens in it at all. So that, slows down because there's no oxygens. All the other ones still have their oxygens in their tips and now they have less shade. So they're gonna to move towards that light and they're gonna just you know continue to take off. And I believe, and I couldn't find an answer to this question when I was looking into it, but now that you've removed that tip, say, say when we top a plant, now that you remove that tip, at what point do the oxygens come back? At what, at what point when is it where the oxygens show back up after you've made that cut? Because in a lot of the texts and stuff that I was even reading, they said that when you, re when you remove the, that root or that, when you remove that tip, they no longer receive any oxygens through that branch. Well, so, like, I don't know how long that. I was going to say for that, for that like specific uh, subject, I like to think of it like, uh, like a plumbing system. It's, uh, or maybe a better example would be uh, the actual tubing system on, on like how we feed uh, some of our plants that people use blue man systems or something. Like uh, it would just be a buildup of pressure and since there's an open, yeah, it got cut off right there, but eventually there's gonna be such a buildup of oxygen that that'll reopen up. And I think that's why that part takes a little bit longer, but it still does come back. 
yeah, I was just wondering how long that period was. And if there was, you know, my next question, you know, one question always leads into another. My next question would be, is there any way we can shorten that period? You know, is there a way we can feed the plant or, or, or apply a foliar to, to make that happen, you know, make that shock less and not really see that problem? I don't know. I was just my mind thinking. But um, I wanted to go over, too, the way that in my mind, I, I explained it to myself, and it was kind of that aha moment in regards to how auctions allow the plant to uh, always point or orient towards light. <clears throat> and it was just like you explained, but a little bit more in depth where the auctions, you know, they start out at the root tip. They, they start traveling down the branch that they're, that they're attached to. And um, as they travel down, these cells, the cells, it increases their elasticity where they can stretch. And when they can stretch more, they're more elastic. They can draw in more water and with water, they get everything, you know, that's how, that's like the blood of the, of the plant, you know, that is pulling up through. So that allows more growth in, in those cells too, you know? So in the re my research, I found that light somehow degrades the oxen itself. So it's not just like you said, it's not the plant seeing light or sensing light so much. It's just that the light is degrading the auxins on the side of the light. So on the opposite side, which would be the shaded side, the auxins are actually building up. Well, if you have a high density or, or a high concentration of auxins, you're getting this really nice elastic cell that's drawing in more water. You're having faster growth. So on that shaded side, it's really growing fast, but the cells that are on the closest to the light, getting the very most light, they're staying short, those cells. So if what happens, you'll think about that. If, if you have on one side, really long, elongated cells, and on the other side, really short sides, it just bends that way. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna always be facing the light because the light itself is what's causing the change in the plant to make it that way, which that was just like an amazing thing to me. It's just like, there's another example of you know, intelligent design. Tell me again how this is all just an accident. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's just got my mind like rolling. Like I wish I had a little more time to think about it now that you know, we've got a deep dive into it. Like the applications to training, like you could, if you're say running like one of the setups, like I do uh, where I'm trying to spread I treat all the plants as one plant and I'm trying to just spread it across the entire canopy. Like say you could take a focus, your focus cob or something like that, put it to one side of your room, cause all your plants to stretch to that side and then light up the entire room. And then maybe that would cause it to push out real quick. I don't know. I mean, I would, uh, I would play with that in veg. I wouldn't do that in flower obviously, but, um, I wonder, like, you know, sometimes when you're trying to fill a scrognet, you might have a hole somewhere. And if you put your single, if you had a single light source, like, I mean, I have in my flower room, they're all HLGs, so they're pretty much spread out on those. But yeah, if you had a cob style light or a single source light like that, spectrum printing, for example, and you put that where that hole was <laughs> in veg, mm -hmm. oh yeah, everything's going to stretch that way for sure. But uh, yeah, I wonder... I don't know if it would be quick, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if it'd be fast enough, if it'd be faster than just doing your normal training technique yeah. to solve that problem over 
a light source like that. I don't know. Or another question would be, how about leave your light source how it is now and add a supplemental light and see if that would do anything. You're not going to hurt yourself. You know what I mean? But you might help yourself. Yeah. What would you add in there? Like a, with a 660, you'll make it stretch. So like a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could even go crazy like that and even get crazy with it and get the wavelength to get more internodal spacing. Yeah. You could definitely do that. You can get real crazy with these, uh, with these uh, hormones and get some drabilic acid and that would cause some internodal spacing too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping to, uh, after this episode, actually figure out some of the products that have uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight that you can use to boost. Like, I can already think of certain, like, techniques that we already do. Like, we know that uh, we get more oxygen, or we get oxygen from the root tip. So if we apply something that uh, causes more root tip growth, we're going to get more oxygen, correct? So no, no oxygen's, you don't get oxygen from the root tips. You get cytokines from the root tips. You get oxygen from the shoot tips. Shoot tips, okay. That's just F-13 Yep. Well, okay, so remember that whole process I told you about the oxygens and how it makes the, bent, the plant bend toward the light. Okay, well, the interesting thing here now, we're geeking out here. In the root zone, oxygens act in reverse on the root cells. So in the root cells, the presence of a high concentration of auxins will actually shrink the cell rather than expand the cell. And you get less growth that way. Why this is important is because it's also still controlled by light. So if a root comes into contact where, say it's going up through some leaf compost where you're just getting filtered light, but it's just a little bit of light, but it still will be able to sense that, that light as far as it's still going to affect the auxins. It's still going to degrade auxins. So there are points, and every, all of us have seen it, where roots come out of the, and they see the light, you know, but they, they don't usually last unless they get that little, uh, oh, what the hell is it called, that, that little callus they get around them. Anyhow, but they always go right back down in the, in the ground. It's not like they keep growing straight up or anything crazy. And the reason is this, is because the same reason that the oxen worked in the plant, but in the roots, it's, it's working in reverse. So when you, the light is hitting it, it's actually shrinking those cells. So it's actually making that, it's, it's bending that thing right back down into the ground. So the light is actually making the root go away from the light. So the oxen is making the plant shoots turn towards the light. And then the degra degradation of the oxens in the roots actually makes the roots go away from the light, pushes them back down into the ground. How crazy is that? Yeah, actually, uh, I had, that brings up a funny story that I've seen in my research. And I was talking about how a, uh, there was a certain bacteria that fixated with the rice, I believe, in China. And it caused uh, excessive oxins in the, the rice. And it just made the rice grow so, so quick. And it blew up really, really fast. And then it just flopped over and died because it had no roots. And they call it uh, silly, silly seasons or something like that. I don't but it was, it was a pretty cool story. So the trick would be is how do we find that bacteria and like fill it off with fungal dominance, you know, at the right point. Shit, you could kill it off with fucking 
H2O2. <laughs> and it'd be now. You don't have to wait for any, you don't have to wait for fungal dominance. You just kill it right now. How, yeah, how great would that be? You could use like a bacteria spray or a bacteria root drench to, to get a big boost to oxen somewhere. If you're looking for a certain result and try to manipulate the plant that way. Now you're getting into stuff where like people are like, Oh, I don't like the idea. Now you're, you're messing with the plant and it's a PGR, but these are natural occurring. I mean, where are we drawing the line? I mean, we're, this is still a natural product. I mean, we're, so it's, it's going to be a moral, a moral dilemma for, for people to decide what they want to do when it comes to that. But there are some exciting experiments you can do anyway, just for science, at least it'd be fun yeah. to play with, I think. And I wouldn't be too scared as long as you're staying in small doses and not going crazy with it. If, if the product's not out already, somebody after this episode, probably like somebody super smart, like Colin Bell or something, is going to go and figure out this uh, bacteria, you know, for the oxen. And we'll see the product here in like a year. We'll be watching, Colin. You better bring us in, bro. <laughs> At least send us some hats, man. Well, I got one. Exactly. Give me that green and white one, though. I want that green and white one. I'm getting picky. Right? That would be perfect for the bro show. But, hey, did you talk about the cytokinins? Are we going to talk about them? Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess we covered oxen's pretty well there. So let, let's, let's jump into the counterpart. Cytokinins are a class of plant growth substances. They're phytohormones that promote cell division and cytokinesis in plant roots and shoots. They are involved primarily in cell growth and differentiation, but also apical dominance, auxiliary bud growth, and leaf senescence. Roots seem to be the major source of cytokinin synthesis. From roots, the cytokinins pass, through, pass upwardly through the xylem. Some cytokinin synthesis also takes place in other areas where cell division are occurring, like the endosperm regions of the seed, growing embryos, developing the seeds, young fruits, developing blood, blood shoots, etc. Cytokinins are one of the key phytohormones which induce cell division in plant fruits and shoots. Cytokinins help in preventing the senescence of fruits, flowers, and leaves. They stop staining and yellowing of the fruits and leaves. Cytokinins are commonly used in, in the agriculture industry to increase yield. And then an another crazy thing about these cytokinins, and like it's like the yin-yang thing, how they work together with auxins. And um, it uses like the ratio. So the plant uses a ratio of uh, the how much how much oxen to how much cytokinin is in it. This is what you were talking about when you're saying the cytokine the cytokinin determines uh, what to what to produce next. All right, I have this energy. What do I want to make? Do I want to make shoots? Do I want to make more foliage, or do I want to make roots? What what do I need right now? So how it determines how to do that is it's going by that ratio between auxins and cytokinins. Now the cytokinins, they're residing in the roots. The auxins are residing in the tips of the plant and then the cytokinins tips of the roots. <clears throat> so what it's basically saying to itself is, how many roots do I have compared to how, many, how much foliage do I have? 
because you need X amount of roots to support X amount of foliage. So, um, so it goes by on that scale basically. So if you have more auxins in the plant, you're going to get more root production because you have way more foliage Well, we need to make more roots and then the vice versa. So if you have more cytokine in the plant, then you're going to get more, more shoots. So then, then in there you think, wow, man, is there a product where I can get cytokines just dump it all down in there and just tell the plant it has more roots than it has, especially DWC guys who are constantly having to chop their roots because they're plugging their, plugging their R DWCs. Let's get some cytokines in there. Who cares if we have, you know, let's make it think it has roots. So it stops producing roots. We don't need that much. We can just keep, you know, it's all its food is already right here. It just needs a small root mass. So if I was a RDWC guy, I would be looking into what cytokinins can I add to cannabis to slow down root growth, but, you know, and then continue to have my shoot growth. It's going to tell it to produce more shoots. So it's using more energy to produce what you want anyway, as long as you have enough root mass. And Hey, if you fuck up, get you some auxins, <laughs> spray you some auxins on there and the plant will be like, fuck this. I need more roots. So I don't know. It seems like a cool natural way to, especially in a system like our DWC, but to really super charge your system even more, you know, maybe push out really super fast veggies or maybe not even veg. You could probably just run 12, 12 if you could really supercharge it, you know, get a bunch of production right from the get go. Yeah. The, the, I can't wait to just really think and deep dive on like the training uh, methods that we can come up with now, just from thinking about it in this way. Because, I mean, <clears throat> this is one of the biggest, like, transfers, I'd say, that's going on on a daily basis. I can't. I guess there'd be other ones, but it's a pretty big deal. Uh, in the actual, like, plant kingdom, like, this this is the reason why, uh, like, how plants can make it up around and above other plants. You know, they're, they get hit with light. They'll start producing the cytokinins and start going off to the sides, creating the, the growth. And then once they get to a point where they can hit a little light, they'll go upward and then they'll start the process over again. It's just, it's really cool. And you know, another thing that just hit me while you were explaining that process was this one, this justifies my thought. And I may have said it on a show before, I don't know, but uh, I've always said that when I transplant, so when I go from whatever to whatever, when I'm up potting a plant, that's when I like to top my plants. Every time I transplant, I want to top my plants because when I top, I always thought in my head, my, my reasoning was when you top the, when you make a top, you also top, you know, they make, it produces more roots. It makes sense because when you, when you are taking a top off, you're taking away oxen. So that scale of oxen cytokinin is now starting to tip towards cytokinin. You know, if, if you, if, if you keep removing, no, that's the opposite. Wouldn't it be? Cause if you take, if you keep, taking auxins away it's going to produce more auxin right um, taking taking away the top i think that's oh no more yeah yeah i'd have to add i would have to be adding auxins so actually i'm wrong i shouldn't top when i transplant well unless well actually I'm, when i'm transplanting i'm probably removing roots at the same time if you lose any root tips it's going to be at transplant time so yeah i think it's justified that you should top at the same time to account for that so if you're losing root mass you're losing cytokines so they're going down 
But then if you don't top, your auctions are going to stay up high. But if you do top, you can try to bring that back level so it does so it stays level and, and, and produces the same amount. Maybe maybe that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're getting you're getting at there. It's a, we just have to figure out the amount of how much of a top do you actually take to get the uh the side of command you're looking for, the horizontal whatever the Yeah, if you're if you're doing a transplant from a one gallon plastic pot to a you know, five gallon something you're probably not removing very much root mass. So maybe you shouldn't be removing very many tops. But if you're pulling out of like, say a fabric pot and you know, ripping it out of the bottoms or something, mm -hmm. unless you have an easy swap pot, yeah. but e even then the roots will grow through the bottoms. And uh, if you're ripping off some, a bunch of root tips, you might want to take some tops just to account for that. I don't know. It makes sense anyway. But one thing I wanted to bring up too uh, that I had written down, and this is the last thing I have, everything else we've pretty much covered, but uh, I have written down with the cytokines that it's some, and I couldn't find out, couldn't find out the connection, but it somehow works with the ethylene, which, which is another hormone in the plant. And it uh, is to cause obsession, which just means like the shedding of leaves, flowers, and fruits. So somehow connected, and I don't know if it's the same kind of a just level scale thing like it is with the auxins or, or how it's connected, but it's somehow connected with the other hormone ethylene. And that's either determines to either shed those leaves and, and fruits and flowers or to not shed them, you know what I mean? Or start the yellowing and stuff like that. Or senescence, senescence is that what it's called when you start yellowing out at the end? Yeah, uh, isn't this what they use in like seedless grapes to make them like produce really, really fast? The ethylene, yeah, yeah, and ethylene is used. It's like a the, the best analogy I can give you is, is ethylene is like estrogen in female humans, so. In fruits, they're used to ripen things. Like if you have like the if you have a yellow banana or a yellow banana with spots on it, even better, and you throw that in a bag with two green bananas, those two green bananas are going to be turning yellow pretty quick because that really overripe banana is the more ripe it is, the more ethylene that it shoots off, and it's a ripening agent. So it's just going to ripen those unripe fruit at the same time. And in cannabis, I believe ethylene what is it? It blocks. I think it's like, uh, it's got something to do with blocking. Like remember that product by optic Fuller called switch that stopped hermaphroditism and it was somehow tied to blocking ethylene so that it couldn't, uh, produce a seed. But, um, if I remember right, I'm kind of high right now. So, but I'm pretty sure it was tied to ethylene and it's the same thing that they use. They use ethylene to produce a lot of seedless varieties of things. cool we probably should have added that to the topics tonight I know <laughs> there's like five of these key things and I mean but oxygen and cytokines are like the main ones the other guys are kind of like out of side whatever yeah I've got them all it's oxen gibberellin cytokinin 
So we didn't talk about Jabrillin much, but the only thing I can tell you is I know that Jabrillic acid, I don't know if it's the same thing as Jabrillin, maybe it's probably not, I'm not gonna bring it up then. But Jabrillin, I know you can use that, I believe to, it will increase internodal spacing, but it's the main driver in the, in what makes the seed germinate because it takes, um, it's the hormone that's used to take the starch that's sitting in, in that seed and turn it into a sugar, which would be the fuel. And then uh, what's the other ones? Oh, ethylene, which I just kind of talked about. And then uh, abesic acid, which I have no idea what it is. I didn't look into that. <laughs> yeah, not sure. Oh, here's red. The most common auxin is IAA, but uh, I recognize that as soon as I was looking at that as one of the cloning powders maybe I've used in the past, but I remember seeing that in, in a cloning something. It might've been a solution, but IAA. So is that like a root growth hormone? That's... No, it's, it's oxins yeah. actually don't. Uh, oxins do go down to into the roots, but uh, they're mostly, they're produced at the tips of the, of the plant's stems. So at the very top, like the apical meristems. Okay, that that's the only thing that I've heard about auxins. That's what it was. Yeah, that that sounds familiar. That's yeah, the cytokines that are produced at the tips of the roots. So okay, like the yin, okay, it's yeah. Like that that term I actually hadn't heard. Um, well, I'm sure I've heard it, but I hadn't actually uh, done any further research on it. Yeah, they're like the yin yang. Is what I, it's like I saw in one of the things I was reading. It, it used that analogy. I really liked it because uh, it's like the auxin is the yin kind of the sun and then the yang being in the darkness would be the uh, cytokinins. That's cool. I, I like that analogy. Now we're trying to figure out, you know, how to apply this knowledge in training methods to work around the guard like we were talking about as far as saying like if we have a gap in the net, you know, to take either one light and stick it there like a cop so they all stretch to it or adding in like a, a, a blue, like a 660 and focusing it right there. That way they'll all stretch to that. Like it might be a, that or like I was, I was talking about in the very beginning, just put it to one side of the garden, have the whole garden stretch to that side, then light your garden up and it might be a way to fill out an area faster. Especially if you're not worried about uh, horizontal growth, you want to just, you're just trying to fill out your square footage. I just can't wait for the day where I can grow 50 or however many one gals I can fit in a four by four in like a flood tray or something and not have to worry about plant count. I just want to do that. I just want to have, I don't think I would even have to scrog it because they would just start from the clone. I would just cut off every lateral branch and just grow like a fucking cola. Week, That's it. I just want a cola. Flower time. One week flower time. So, no, there's there's no there's 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 no there's no veg. It's twelve twelve from day I one. I mean, I mean veg, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, regulators. Square footage would be, it would be best for us. It would be easier for you to regulate. I mean, so much really less weight. Go, yeah. Do you guys really want to go around and make sure every one of these facilities has a thousand or whatever that they have in there on each one? 
when you could just go, and, well, actually, you have their buildings to manage. You know they can't go past a certain point. I mean, it's really easy to regulate that way. You probably don't even have to leave the office. Government is inefficient and should be dissolved. Yeah, it, it, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. I mean, I don't understand. Planning Council does, it just doesn't make sense. It just needs to be square footage. Because what about going straight up? Oh, we're not going to count square footage, so I can just... You want to really do plant count? Well, then everyone with a greenhouse is going to crush everybody because they can just fill them with trees, just trees. That's the thing. I mean, if you do one plant per light, you could theoretically have a 72 plant grow. If you like caregivers could. And I mean, that's without a lot, without paying the, all the license fees, you know? Yeah, for sure. And right now with that is, but I was still doing green 72 lights <laughs> or a facility to put them in, but, but a green, cool. you don't need you don't need the lights if you got a greenhouse, bro. <laughs> That's a very good point. And I really oh, feel passionate about it, too, because, I mean, I think the fact that we have to grow bigger plants to accommodate plant count directly correlates with uh, quality. Because when you, I've always found when you can run one to two footers of a strain, my OG, for example, the bud, everything, the effects, taste, everything is way higher quality than what I let it run to say like a four foot bush or whatever and then flip it in the flower. But I, I mean, I know people- I think I have about a three foot abolished bush in my flower room right now, but uh, I'm about to go in there and hack her all up and get her cleaned up. <laughs> I can't wait for it to start flowering. I got little little tiny buds starting to form, but uh, we'll get pictures out there when I get time. Nice. I hope she dominates the garden. You know, so before you jump off the toxins topic, I want to talk about the Apollo 13 because now that you're talking about it and, mm -hmm. and you know, it, I, it makes sense to me on what, what each one of those things are. Uh, so the Apollo 13 – I've noticed that it likes to really grow like wide, but it has grown like up and done like this wonderful, great structure thing. But whenever I've had my lights dialed down a little bit, like uh, I was going through what I thought was light intensity issues and ended up being pH issues. Well, during these low light level experimental times, my Apollo would just grow outward. It wouldn't really grow up. So I'm wondering if like, it's the same as like uh, how it feels like you said it was being shaded. So it wants to grow outward. Now this is, Apollo 13 is like a light hungry plant because it's like uh, now sativa esque, if you will, you know? Yeah, that makes sense to me. So it's, it's wanting more auxins because that would be light hitting the root top or not root the the apical mirror stems and if it's not getting enough of those oxygen because the, ox, the oxygens do go to the rest of the plant but they got to travel from the top all the way down all the way down and uh <clears throat> if light hits it it degrades i know boys and girls we'll be right back look it has begun
Special reminder, Groskies. The girl walk is starting to fill up. I believe we are somewhere around 30 paid spots. That means there is only around 10 left. We need to get in there, get signed up, get paid. And we are cutting it off at 40 spots. So, and they are getting mailed out this week. Do not sleep on this, Groskies. It's going to be an amazing party. Hope to see you all there. We're back. So, uh, how's everybody doing this week? Like, what's going on in the garden? Any, any special updates? I just popped two purple dragons from Morningstar Seed Company, two autos. I'm hoping at least one will get up out of the ground. I don't know. I usually have pretty good luck popping seeds, so we'll see what happens. And uh, that's going to go in the mother tent. And, I just cut down the baby Huey auto, which turned out to look pretty nice. A little cute little thing. It might have been two feet tall, maybe by two feet wide, but it had some nice looking buds on it. And I've been checking on it a couple every couple of days as it's drying. It's not really shrinking yet. So it might even have some density to it. So it smells nice. So I'm really excited about that one actually. And I'm I don't know, the purple dragon, it just sounds like a cool ass name. So how can you not be excited about that? So but other than that, everything else is I just took down a bunch of harvest, so I've, I'll be trimming for the next couple of weeks. And I reloaded the rooms. I got the whole – I got the room with a bunch of uh, – I got abolished OG. I have the sour melon, which the sour melon looks like a toothpick next to the abolished OG. The abolished OG is bullied at all veg. So sour melon is not getting going to have a good chance, but I might get a cola off of her. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I got another. I've got a clone of her already, looking really nice. So we'll get a good representation of her next run. <laughs> but that abolished OG was bullying the shit out of her. I'm gonna get in there and trim that all up. I'm about two thirds of the way done doing that already. And then, uh, yeah, I'm probably about a couple weeks away from harvesting the, my quad three, I call it. And uh, that's where I did the the actual test of that Coco Loco. In, in, a, in my regular system in place of the M3 and I did amend it. I did uh, top dress, I should say. I, don't know, I shouldn't say amend. And I don't know, from me looking at it right now, the M3 looked better and is probably going to be cut tomorrow. The Coco Loco looks like it's got at least two weeks. So jury's out. Weird, but Jerry's out. And then uh, I have a headlights, which might, might be close. You're to talking eyelash. the same strain still between those two? Yes. Yep. That those two. Yeah, I grew. I grew an M3 uh, Spartan glue, and then the Coco Loco Spartan glue, side by side, under the same light, same conditions. But uh, yeah, we're probably two weeks difference in harvest time. So what's going to look like? I don't know about yield yet. Who knows? We'll see. And then uh, I've got my headlights, which is going to be one of my last ones. I, I might have one or two more. I'm not sure. But that one was the headband times. What was the other? Oh, Northern Lights. And it's just an old school one that I've had for a while. I've just got too many strains, so that one's going to go. And then uh, the Blueberry Quintessa. That one is kind of like the jewel right now. I'm really waiting for that one to come down. It smells so fucking good. Uh, shout out to Eagle Gardens for that. 
uh, I think we're going to enjoy that one. So that's it. That's my whole garden. The headlights will live on, man, because you gave me the seeds of it. So, and it, I run everything that's headband at least once. Even if it's not 818. 818 is my preferred cut cross, but I'm down to run the other ones. There's nothing wrong with the, red, the other headband. 707 is okay, but 818 is the best. Skilbo's got my cut of headlights too, so that'd be really interesting to for you to get some seeds out when you do run them and then compare it with, a, you know, get a cut off of Skilbo and compare it to the cut I had and see how different they are. That'd be pretty cool. So uh, you said you just chopped your, your uh, baby Huey, right? So that'd be your second run in the, that frugal build? No, that was, there was, there's two, there's two pots in there. So that's the, that was the first run in the other pot. Oh, okay. So now the, now both pots would be on the second run. I just use like, because of all the males, there's so many males. It seems like I get way more males in these than I do females. Yeah. So I plant two and then hope that one gets through the gauntlet and is a female. And then I just keep chopping <laughs> until I get another female. I really just want to have at least one. If, if I get one female, then I stop and I just let it, let it go and grow. If I, I haven't had the luck of getting two females yet, but if I do, I'll grow them both in there. I always have those issues too. And I, I, I won't pop a full 10 pack. You know, a lot of times I'll just pop, pop like, I try to pop like four, you know, I try to do like four or something. depends on how many like different varieties I really want to like how many different packs of seeds I want to try to go through. I just want to test to see what like the flavors going to be like. And then if I really like it or something, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a, an idea, I guess. Maybe I'll pop more of them or something, but yeah, man, I always get like a handful of like, it'll be like, three males and then one fe one female so i'm just like ah well that's my keeper now that i have that auto pot system that's nine pots i'd like to do nine but it's a pain in the ass to take nine clone or you know nine strains worth of clones so and then you got to hold them for a little while and wait for them to sex and then some of them you got to wait to like go three weeks four weeks to make sure that they don't Herm and everything and yeah, it's the whole um, process. <laughs> I'm excited to run some fems. I'm excited to run some fems. I ran those uh the snow cane were fems. Fucking loved it. I'm already in love with fems, man. I don't have to plan shit out. I know they're female. I love it. And and think about it. You're getting the same size seed pack generally for the, about the same price as regs. It's not like more expensive for femmes usually. They're usually about the same price. But you're getting more females and more selections. Why the hell wouldn't you want to do that? But everybody yells and screams about herms. Fuck. Yeah, I've seen like I've seen like six pack femmes, but it's like I don't know, eighty dollar packs of, of for a six pack, and then it's like one hundred and fifty dollars for a ten pack of regs. You know, so speaking of sixteen uh, pack, I don't know. I got. A pack of films for both of you guys for the the girl off. We got a you know, I love good news. Try meet up this week. Oh, uh, I, I like that news. I, I got mine pop because you know us us on the panel. We're just judging. We're going along with the guys or the guys and gals. And for me to keep with my rotation, I needed to pop them now. So I got those and Missy helped, of course, as always. Got them in the solo cups today and. All six of the grow-off seeds all popped. They're all up. 
And then the other six that I popped were the pineapple cane from Mantis Genetics, which like you, you've talked about it too, Spartan. Like I've just been blown away by the pictures of it and everybody with their slurking and their slurking crosses this year. If all It's all been good. So I mean, I'm all down to jump on this slurking bandwagon and give it a try, especially from Mantis. I mean, everything I've run from them, I just keep. It all stems back to that taste of that rosin you had, that slurry cane. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it started for you. Am I kidding? And, uh, or I always I mean, I got them together. I've, I've created a couple names. The Am I kidding? Okay. Yeah. You did it! Congratulations! They're, uh, they're a slurry cane rosin. That's the one I've explained a few times of being like, a terpy pool, like walking into a fresh pool, like that chlorine feel, but not the taste, but terpenes. It's it's the best way I can explain the flavor profile on that, and it is really, really cool. It's like, could you just clean this thing with bleach or something? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that stuff was some good stuff. Man, that I can't remember what they brought. Uh, was it Tropicana Cookies? Yeah, that's what it was. They brought Trop Cookies. Uh, <laughs> To the lot that meet up when they had the email that was some good good stuff i still have mine i still haven't even tried it because it smells so good i'm trying to keep myself from like open it all the time and smelling it oh, because i don't I want the turps to just evaporate out of there but i want to like i don't know man i i think it'll i think it's gonna uh save flavor i think it's gonna save and do well i think i'm gonna hold on to it for a little while i got some special occasions coming up nice you know that's good. That's good. Be nice. to it, man, because I've been holding on to it, thinking that I wanted to make sure we had it for the caregiver tested. If you're gonna hold on to yours, I'm about to smoke it. Because always hold it. I did. It was tasty. <clears throat> oh, those yeah, that's some good rosin. I think mine lasted maybe probably a week. I was trying to savor it, but it was so good. I was. I found myself just like topping every bowl. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm putting this on my bowl." Oh, oh that sounds like a good idea. So good. I've just been packing full bowl, bowls of dry sift lately. I can't get enough of this flow dry sift. I took all of my trim from the past 12 months of flow. So it was a little bit like, probably like a harvest every two months worth or so. But <clears throat> I went through all of it and homogenized it in this little jar. And it's been great, man. It's it's not it's like nice, dude. That jar's gonna last you a little while too. Nah, this like. jar's gonna last me a couple days at least. Good twenty four hours. Now it's definitely lasting me a nice long time. <laughs> Sitting over there like Tony Montana in that fucking dry sift. Big giant pile on my desk. Yeah, so I was, I was, your face, just everywhere, dude, just all over the place, putting it in my cocoa. Speaking of F13, I don't know if I, oh, can, yeah, I, my camera's doing it justice, but this stuff's super frosty. Cool. So, have you smoked enough of it to get an effect yet? Yeah, dude, I was talking cool. about it uh, right before we uh, we went live, and it's, it's got this, it's super energetic, but it's not, it's got that, uh, quality to it to where you can continuously smoke it if you'd like to smoke it so it's like it's consistent daytime smoke like yep if you're one of those people that want to smoke all day and feel fine this is perfect 
And uh, I would say between the two, the two cuts, the I think it was the, the number one has a better flavor, but the number two has a better effect. I hate that. I hate that. It was both. Who does number two work for? Who does number two work for? That's right, buddy. You show that turd who's boss. The number two to me has a better structure also. Um, and it has less of a like meristem that goes up through what is just a foxtail of a bud. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It just reminds me of like the pictures of um, some of those uh, of those foxtails on it. And it's just nothing but bracts and the bracts are almost like staggered. And it really looks like that old like Dr. Grinspoon. I never smoked it, but I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that too. Land race shit is what it sounds like. And then the profile is real similar to the blueberry, real similar to a couple of other of the DJ short strains that I've ran. Um, he just got like a real nice um, almost, yeah, like Landris. I don't know if it's coming out of like the tie. I think the tie was like a, a good sativa structured plant. Maybe that's where, where those structures are coming out of and yeah. fruits coming out of. This is a lemon heaven that I wasted about uh, six months on. Uh, had tie structure and it's it had that to it, but it was more of uh, like super thin ones, like little stick fig fingers all over the place. Man, that strain! I I don't even want to talk about it. it. Pisses me off. I wasted so much time on that. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds. I'm going to have to get with you abolish. Maybe Saturday might be my next available day, <laughs> unfortunately, Saturday or Sunday. But, um, yeah, because uh, I want to bring you the number five, too, the, the Snowcane number five, so you can see what your opinion is on it. Because I think it's exactly what you're explaining with that. It's like the number five is the one that I want to smoke as far as for the high, but it's the number six that I want to smoke for the fucking flavor. Yeah, I'm down. I still got two nuggies of the Spartan Blue that I've been saving. Give you a special episode. Root your butt. The Rainbow Driver I kept was the was the one for the effect. The one that I think I brought to the party was the one that I had gotten rid of. And that one was slightly more sedating than the one that I kept. And I think I heard someone say low-yielding one. So maybe there's a low... And this one... May or may not be the low yielding one. I don't know. I'll find out in 60 days, I guess. 60 ish days. I was pretty impressed with your blueberry, too. Is the blueberry, right? Like, boo, boo? The, no, blue. Blue. That's, that's DJ Short's blueberry. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's like the famous, like, uh, matchbook style uh, seed pack. I got it directly from him. DJ short blueberry do you know uh, what four at four nice at four we gotta get you to bring some cuts of that to the next gathering i know a lot of people would love to get that uh i i kicked the mom i kicked the mom it um it's not a great grower you don't you know it's not like update worthy like even like the bud itself looks good but even like the the fans and everything just makes it to where you don't want to show that thing on ig when it's growing 
I have like a pack and three quarters left. So I'm kind of holding, I'm kind of holding on to those, you know, maybe for future hunts or something, because I think there might still be something better in there. Um, I think there might be something with a better structure in there, maybe a better yield in there, but that one, I, that one had the flavor. That one's got that old throwback, you know, 2002, 2003 blueberry flavor, uh, at least from what I remember. And then, man, I smoked that one in like a bathroom because we couldn't get the house stinky. And that's where like the exhaust fan was. I remember that specifically only time I had ever smoked blueberry and then I've been searching it forever. And then I grew up for like, yeah, a couple of years and you know, so I, I need like a nice little home grow. Right. So I can like have some of these lower yielding plants that it's not, you know, breaking my, breaking the budget and, you know, trying to uh, sustain electricity and think, you know, it's just not sustainable running that in a large room and, you know, with the lights and everything, it's just not, not yield worthy. You're allowed a 12 plant direct grow, brother. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I tossed I tossed one outdoor last year. Um it, it I took some seed off of it, so then I got more seed. I took seed off of it, but I have that high CBD male, so it's going to be different, but I'm curious seed. the pheno of the blueberry that you had, what did it have the claw and the fan juice? Yeah. Yeah, it had the claw. The F13 had the claw too. Wow. wow Way longer leaves. Yeah, blueberries really like notorious for that. You know, CBD is pretty notorious. Well, at least the early CBD varietals were pretty notorious for bringing kind of like a cherry terp. So there might be some pretty amazing stuff with the uh, blueberry, blueberry and cherry. Dude, speaking of CBD, what I did earlier from like my wake and bake, <clears throat> excuse me, rosaberry. That's like it's it's actually DJ Short's blueberry and ACDC. Uh, ACDC being the female and um, mine's a almost like a one and a half to one. It's like 12% CBD, 8% THC. And I put that on the bottom of my bowl and then topped it with this flow <clears throat> and had an excellent effect. I mean, because this flow is like actually kind of nice and stimulating. And then I had that like great, like 12% of CBD hit me with this flow. That's like, I mean, the flower on flow is upper twenties. So, I mean, this dry sift is probably really potent. Excellent effect, man. I'm going to have to share that one with everybody because I got plenty of rosemary. Plenty of this. That's why I'm excited for that blueberry quintessa because it's a CBD cross. So, mm. we'll see. We'll see what I can get with it. I got two two pinos, so. Makes your body feel good. <clears throat> I like it. I I've I've played with some CBD varietals. Um, CB Diesel was one of them that I had for a long time. But yeah, I really like it. It is really uh, level. It, I guess is the best way for me to. And it was always nice for like an emergency thing. Like oh, I went, I went too crazy on the edibles today. Let's hit the CBD. That kind of calms you down. It brings brings the anxiety down or the the fast heartbeat or whatever. It seems for me, it, it's always just levels levels me out. So I really think there's a place for CBD. I'm excited to get some high CBD so that I can <coughs> extract it and then mix it with my RSOs. You know, I can make a high CBD RSO, or I could do, you know, two runs. I could do a run of high THC, a run of high CBD, and put them both together. 
mix them together and get a, you know, super full spectrum. That's really what my plan a is. Really good one-to-one that way. Yeah. 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 One-to-one. And, uh, and then just take that in capsules and that's uh, my plan with that. So, you know, future plans. <laughs> that's why I always have a CBD project going on. My oven's broken right now. Otherwise I would have RSO from the last batch that I have sitting in alcohol still since my oven broke, I haven't been able to, um, you know, I, I have the, I, I, I finish it in the oven, so I can't like finish it. Right. So I don't know. Maybe if I think of a different way of doing it, put it on a hot plate or something. I don't want to do a hot plate. I want to do like the method that I know, you know what I mean? So I'm just kind of waiting to like replace it, repair my oven. So anyways, that was me, so, man. It took me forever to start mine because I, I can't remember what the hell it was I was waiting on, but I was waiting on some stupid shit, but I got it finally. Yeah, dude. At first, it was uh, uh, filters. I, I went and got a, a Bunkner filter for the first time. And the first one that I got broke, so I had to send it back and get a new one. So, yeah, and then the oven, whatever, you know, shit happens. So, <laughs> shit's going to happen a million times over and over. Anyways, the um, uh, recent crop of Rosaberry that I currently have, <clears throat> you know, it's not the most fan favoritable. So, I'm sitting on a nice little stash of it and that's exactly what i was going to do with mine is take a a decent amount of flour and not just the trim but like the nice tops and process it into just simpson oil and just use it hell yeah that should be fucking awesome man i'm really excited should be really good for inflammation and stuff like that too i love taking simpson oil anyways and usually when i do take simpson oil to counteract the effect that way i like to use cannabis as just a preventative right i just just whatever you know maybe it'll help whatever wants to come on and maybe it'll help me not sneeze later I, who knows right so like like a cold or something i don't know maybe it has that kind of effect but anyways so so to counteract like getting way too ripped all day and not being able to do anything because it took you know some simpson oil or if you are feeling like shit and you need to take a lot of simpson oil be still don't want to feel like shit i'll double dose with some cbd uh drops and stuff so that i don't get way too high um so i didn't read the audiobook or i didn't read the book but i listened to the audiobook of the cannabis pharmacy i'll have to get the author's name because <clears throat> i went back and looked and there's actually a couple different versions by different authors called cannabis pharmacy but the one that i listened to goes into a lot of depth and detail on terpenes and kind of like how they react with thc cbd <clears throat> entourage effect and it goes into a lot of detail with that stuff what they were saying about the the effect between CBD and THC is CBD will uh, cancel out the effect. It's basically an antagonist or an agonist, whatever that is. Antagonist, to, right. Antagonist to THC. to THC in a ratio of 10 to 1. So actually in a ratio of 10 or maybe even more, 11 to 20 to 1, you could almost completely cancel out the effects of THC. So let's say you are a cancer patient or something, you're really trying to get grams worth of like cannabis oil. I mean, what's the RSO method is like 90 grams in like 90 days. That's like a gram a day, but you want to titrate. So at the end, you're actually putting probably like two grams a day in your body, three grams a day, right? Long story short, you might need to like really, really, if you're like somebody who doesn't like getting high, but you really need to heal yourself, uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if this will work, but this is in theory. You take <clears throat> 10 times the amount of, so you know, you need to take what? 
you're taking two grams of THC dominant uh, RSO, you're going to need what another 20 grams of CBD. Yeah, it's a lot, but maybe you won't get hot. Maybe you won't get high. I don't know. Try those smaller amounts, I suppose. But well, even if you can't cancel it out completely, just to bring that edge off, it's still it can definitely bring the edge off. Yeah, a little bit. I just went crazy with using two grams of of THC dominant RSO. Oh, but let's just say you're using the even if you match it. Even if you matched it one to one, one to one, it'd be helpful. Better than not having it at all, for sure. That would be smart. Like if you have a straight CBD string or like a twenty to one that's just absolutely dominating, make a a single source whatever run of uh, RSO of it, and use that as your counteractor. And like you could probably even as like a new user, you could probably take the recommended dosages you need to fight cancer. Because one gram for somebody that's never used before or never even been, like I'd say even light users, one gram of RSO, man, it's going to tank you your first time. It may even give you an experience to where you are scared of it. That's so like having just a little like drop of the CBD RSO would counteract that one gram. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like at least at minimum like 500 milligrams. I like the last batch of RSO I made was like 62 or 63% THC. That's like 600 plus milligrams worth of THC if you're taking a gram. That's a lot. Yeah, and I just want to say, cause I got to go, but I do want to say, I do want to say this though. Um, I've successfully helped patients not only fight cancer, but win. On, on multiple occasions, different patients, and they're still cancer-free today. And you don't have to take that much. You know, I just tell them, take what you can. Start, you know, very small. I start out with a half a gram size, just like the just like the Rick Simpson program is. And I tell them to follow the Rick Simpson program protocol. Go ahead, you know, double it every week or, what, or whatever it is what you're comfortable with. I said, but my thing is, is take more next week than you did this week and take as much as that you're comfortable taking if you can take if you feel you can take a big step take a big step but make sure someone's there to watch you but uh, if you're not comfortable taking it you were you were shaky last time take less but always keep working yourself up to it and if you don't make it to that one gram a day no big fucking deal just keep fighting get yourself there when you can get there but uh the latest one was my my own uncle he was nowhere near a gram a day, and he, uh, we reversed and destroyed pancreatic cancer, which is a, a death sentence. They gave him two months, and here he is a year later. A year later. That, is, that is amazing. I love yeah. hearing stories like that, dude. That so I, so just want, I just don't want people to be discouraged <clears throat> and think that they have to take massive quantities. You know, take what you can take. Your tolerance will my, increase. You can increase. My like my passion in cannabis stems from uh, I lost I lost a cousin when I was twelve and she was eighteen and she had a, uh, a neuroglastoma and she died of brain cancer. Um, and and it was just like a crazy reality that hit me. I was real close with her too. Um, so I was only twelve, thirteen, and shortly after I had heard about cannabis and some other things and had seen some documentaries actually about how cannabis was helping people with AIDS and things like that. And was thinking, and you know, that's when like the wheels started turning initially, right. When I was really young and that's why they kind of initially started turning was I was thinking that maybe this could have helped, you know, her potentially uh, hearing about helping people with cancer and stuff. So anyways, I've also had um, 
other family members uh, who have had like epilepsy and thing like things like that pass because of complications because of medication and things like that. So, uh, and also young, like 16 years old. So like this, this, like I, I wholeheartedly like almost like hearing like Charlotte's web story and things like that. When you hear about people with epilepsy and it really helping them, like cannabis probably really could have helped her. So I, it, all this stuff really does affect me. So I, I wholeheartedly like believe in the cannabis as medicine, especially when I hear of these like Charlotte's story and your uncle's story and all these other stories, man, they, they're just like, <clears throat> that's, that's why I stick in this game. Like it, it's, it's a roller coaster ride for us caregivers. Like, right. Like we were allowed in the market. We're not allowed in the market, like all this other stuff. And so, but you know, I, I stick in it. It doesn't matter. You know, I just, I'm always in it. So like, one one other thing that I wanted to like say about like I, uh, the dosing and stuff was <clears throat> excuse me there was a story that I had heard like I also like like to recommend taking as much as you possibly can and not to over you know do yourself and obviously like a gram is a lot right like that's that that is a lot of oil to a novice or something so I heard this, I don't know who I heard it from. It was, uh, I don't know. I listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff, but it was like this old story about like the Dalai Lama or something. And, and there was this, uh, this like woman who took her son to the Dalai Lama and was like, he's, he's sick. He's malnourished or he's like overweight or something. And, and he, we can't like, uh, figure this out or something like that. And the Dalai Lama told her to like come back in 30 days. And so she did. <clears throat> and then he told her to like, you know, have your child like eat more vegetables and do these things take uh change change some things about the diet and stuff she's like well why didn't you just tell me that like 30 days ago and he was like well i had to see if i could do it first right so like you know in his mind like he needed to see if he could like he doesn't want to give any advice without actually seeing if it's like possible you know can can somebody who who's accustomed to certain ways of living change their ways of living and, and do certain things so like i took this advice myself and like thought of it as like kind of a really cool story so i was like i want to you know i don't want to like recommend huge doses of cannabis oil to somebody without seeing how i can titrate up and where i can do it myself so when i had the ability and had oil available that's kind of what i was doing was trying to just kind of see how much i could do on a daily basis and be functional um see where cbd oil and stuff like that would take me you know as a caregiver i think that's important to not just guide people in the wrong direction you know just totally following up on what you're saying uh with the long-winded uh yeah air. well i mean like that's an important <clears throat> here's another important tip too that i just thought of that i forgot to mention too is is that yeah a gram a day that doesn't mean a gram dose all at once so i mean for me when i when i when i take a little uh rso capsule <clears throat> i like to take a, a 0.3 grams that's that's where I like, and it's probably around 200, maybe a little bit higher milligrams, but I could easily now with the tolerance that I have, I could take that three times a day instead of you know a couple times a week, but I could take it three times in a day. I'm 100% positive, and um, hell, I could take a little bit more. I could do like 0.35, you know what I mean, and be over my gram a day limit easy. <clears throat> So just like you're saying, training, training yourself basically for if you had to, you could easily do it. Yeah, it's easily, I could easily do it. I, I could easily do that if I had enough product, which I would just not smoke it anymore. I would just 
concentrate it all down and take that for my medicine all day. I wouldn't need to smoke. I could just do that. <clears throat> and on that, I, I enjoy smoking. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason I do. And on that note, before we sign off, I want everybody to just take a minute as like caregivers, as patients, as uh, medical cannabis growers to think about all the relatives and loved ones and stuff that we've lost that we could have helped with the knowledge that we have now that are part of the force and make sure that we never let that happen again to any of our relatives or loved ones, especially with all the networking we have now. It does take a lot for a RSO treatment to beat a serious disease like cancer or stuff like that. But there is a strong enough community, especially here in Michigan, people that will work with you to help you beat these conditions. Don't just, don't hide, reach out. And uh, now that I, I hate to do it, now we sign off now that we got a little uh, all sad and serious, but uh, Spark Grown, I mean, shout outs, sign outs. Uh, it's just Spartan Growing at Instagram. You can find me there on Instagram or right here on YouTube, Michigan Bros Grow Show or Growing My Fellow Growers. Love you guys. Hey, man, I, I think it's a good way. Lo love you too, Spartan. Man, it's a good way to end the show, actually. I think that's uh, that's a good thing to shout out to the community. You know, it's, it's about community. I, I find community in cannabis, you know. So, anyways, I'm Red Setter Farm. Peace. Love all you guys too. Later. Such a great episode tonight, guys. I love it. It started out super sciencey, nerdy. We got some real information out there, and then you know, nice deep dive in there. I love the I love the freestyle at the end. But uh, gotta shout out my sponsors, of course: Easy Swap Pots, Mantis Genetics, and Bad Bunny Nutrients. Use code Abolish. I have uh, promotional codes with most of those guys going on. And I got to shout out the Michigan Girls Girl Show, of course, and you two here on my Frugal Force panel. Again, love you guys. You know, we show you show up every week, especially you two. You never miss an episode. You know, Brad, you worked all night and you came. So did you, Spartan. You guys both. You know, you're like, even if we had to start a little bit late, you know, you made sure you showed up. I mean, that's that's fucking awesome. I appreciate that. I'm going to sit on the couch and probably smoke a bowl of hash when I get home anyways. Might as well fucking talk row with, with you guys, you know. Miss Red's in bed. She's got to work early, you know. Love it. I already got my smoke on for the night. I can just go go to bed now. Yeah. And on that note, Girlskies, may the frugal force be with you. Oh. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> Uh, Lloyd. Just go. Damn, buddy. Oh, she's a goddamn buddy! You heard what she said.